0: How to have a record-breaking 2023. How to have a record-breaking 2023. And uh, last night, we, we dealt with that to start off. You know, people are like, why, do you, why, why can't it just be just a great year? Why do you have to have another? Why do you have to always be pushing for that? It's because that's what the body of Christ does. We are slated for never-ending increase. We're slated for the blessings of God. And it's not to be up and down, it's not roller coaster Christianity. We're called to increase steadily until the return of Christ. Those that are followers of God, I I quoted last night to you from Psalm 1, uh, Proverbs 4, that we're supposed to be like trees planted by the riverbank that bear fruit in their season, leaves never wither, wither, prosper in all they do. The path of the just is a shining light, grows ever brighter till the perfect light of day. God's plan for us is that we steadily increase. The Lord spoke to me in the early fall that this upcoming year is going to be a year of transformation for the faithful people of God, especially those that are connected to this ministry. You hear this word that's going forth. Um, It's going to be a year of transformation for us. Don't expect things to look the same. Don't expect things to stay the same. Expect things to change dramatically for us in this upcoming year. And of course, those of you that are watching know that, you know, we announced that we're launching Miracle Word Church in 2023. And so I know things are going to change for this ministry and go to another level. But for your family, for your ministry, for your business, for your life, expect things to change dramatically so that God gets all the glory. Expect things to go to another level very quickly. Um, Last night, we talked about if there's going to be transformation, then there's got to be a renewing of the mind, and that's the foundation for this word that the Lord's speaking to us right now. <clears throat> we took you to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? So there's the command, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by by the renewing of your mind. So, and I said this last night, we posted it on social media today. If you don't transform, you're going to conform. If you don't transform, you're going to conform. We said that last night, I put it out today, put it in the comments again if you want, put it in your notes. If I don't transform, I will conform. And so the key being here, the renewing of your mind. I took all of last night to teach on that. The practical ways to renew your mind, to put yourself in position to transform by the power of God so that you'll never be conformed to the image of this world or this antichrist system operating in the world. If you missed last night's broadcast, go back and watch. It will help you immensely. Tonight, we're talking about this. How do I move forward and see that kind of transformation Um, in my life in this upcoming year. Again, it's not anything special about the year 2023. It's not that there's some uncovered thing that we found in the original language of the text that 2023 God prophesied a thousand years ago is going to be. No, we're just setting our faith with the word I received from the Holy Spirit. We're setting our faith that it's going to be our year of transformation in Jesus name. Things are going to transform for the better supernaturally. But Last night, we dealt with uh, the renewing of your mind being the foundational principle. Tonight, I'm going to deal with part two of this. And then let me make a quick announcement. Tomorrow night at 9 o'clock p.m., my father, evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., is going to be joining me on the broadcast. So you don't want to miss tomorrow night uh, as my dad's joining me. He's going to teach. He's going to, I don't know if he'll preach, prophesy, do it. I'll tell him, do whatever you want to do. Just do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, but you don't want to miss tomorrow night. My father's joining me for that session at 9 p.m. It's going to be powerful. But tonight I want to deal with the second part that God dealt with me on um, when it comes to seeing transformation uh, in your life, ministry, business, family, whatever. Uh, The first being renew your mind, but tonight we're dealing with this fact, and I want you to go with me to Matthew 25, and I want you to put this in in the comments, put it in your notes. Um, and that is this, use what you have well. Use what you have well. And this is a key that will take you into a place of increase and promotion. I'm going to show you how in the Bible. Uh, this is God's system of dealing with his children in the kingdom. Use what you have well. Um, in Matthew 25, this is the principle and the parable that Jesus told of the talents. It's called the parable of the talents. And, and you know the story that a master had three servants and the master was getting ready to go on a journey, but before he did, he gave his three servants a set of talents. The first, and let me, in fact, let me just read it to you um, so you can see what the Bible says exactly. Uh, Matthew 25 starting in verse 14. The Bible says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. To each, according to his ability. Then he went away. Now, I want you to stop there and look at that. That is a massive principle. (coughs) Very important to understand, the master didn't just randomly give talents to his servants in a way that he felt was right he said you know what? I just feel like giving this guy five I just feel like giving this guy two. I feel like that's not what the Bible says it says that he gave to each of them according to his ability that means that the master had been watching these servants previously and saw how they could perform with what they already had And based on how they performed previously, he gave them these talents based on what they'd done in the past. So that means he wasn't just randomly dealing out talents. They were receiving what the master knew they could handle. They were receiving what the master knew they could handle. And so the Bible says, he who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them and made five talents more. So... So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. That's maintenance mode, by the way. Let me just point that out. That is maintenance mode. I'm just going to maintain what I have. I'm not going to increase. I'm not going to, I'm not going to gain more. I'm not going to produce. I'm just going to maintain where I'm at, maintain where I'm at. I want you to see something about that. The Bible says, hid his master's money. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing more, five talents more, saying, look what you delivered to me, five talents here. I made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he said the same with the one who had two. But then look at this. He comes to verse 24. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Now watch this. Now take his talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I want you to get a few things out of this story here. You you understood what I said earlier, tonight's principle being, use what you have well. Use what you have well. What God's placed in your hand, what God's placed in your life. God is watching us as our master. God is watching us to see how we will perform with what we have. He will check on us to see how we will perform with what we have. And so one of the things I want you to see is that God hates cruise control. God hates maintenance mode. That's something so clear from this story. He didn't just come back and say, hey, I wish you'd have got me some interest on my money. I wish you'd have got me a little bit more. He said, you wicked and lazy or slothful servant. Notice that you wicked and slothful servant. So according to this story, the master views laziness and maintenance mode as wickedness. So the master views staying at the same place, maintaining, coasting, going through life on cruise control, looks at that as wicked. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, there should always be increase in the kingdom of God. What made the master happy? The servants who produced the servants who produced maintenance modes, unacceptable. So that means, and again, isn't it interesting to you that he gave them their talents based upon what they had already accomplished in their life previously. There's a reason. The one who got five, got five. He had produced more than the one who had two and the one who had one. And you see what he did. He went and produced again and got five back. Same with the one who had two. He'd done more in the past than the one who had one. But again, the one who had one did what he'd always done. That's why he got one to start with. He's not good with what he's been given. The key here, God's watching you to see if you'll produce with what you have. To see if you'll produce with what you have. You know, What's it been? I don't know, Tiff, two years and a half ago when the Lord, when we started going live all the time, two and a half years ago, and we started just going live every day, Monday through Friday, nonstop. Before that, we did podcasting, (coughs) all that other stuff. But when we felt it was time to go live, listen, I didn't have this studio that I'm sitting in now. I didn't have an LED wall behind me. I didn't have all these lights. I didn't have these, all this, these computers and these switchers and all. I didn't have all these things, two and a half years. Um, oh, so it was longer than that, three and a half years ago. So three and a half years ago is when we started that, going every day live, close to four years now. And I didn't have all that. I had one camera. We had a couple of lights that were donated to us. I was sitting in a chair, some of you remember, I was sitting in my chair in a rented house, going live, talking to you in my sitting room, basically, Um, and just every day talking to you and encouraging your faith, and um, and I didn't have all the stuff that I have now, but I wanted to show the Lord. I wanted to show the Lord that like if you're telling me to minister to your people on a daily basis, if you're telling me to go live and to preach the word on the internet and whatever else you want me to do, that I am not going to wait and say, well, I'll do it, you know, when I get a studio and I'll do it when I have, you know, staff to help me and I'll do it when I have lights and I'll do it when I have multiple cameras and computers and an led wall. I didn't wait. I said, if the Lord wants me to do it now, I want him to see that I will be just as faithful, you know, setting I remember I used to set it all up by myself. <coughs> My wife would help me get a focus and I'd set it all up by myself and we'd sit there and uh, I've told you the story. People, you come into the house and seeing all the cameras and lighting, wonder what's going on. But literally, I wanted the Lord to see that without a studio, without a staff, without professional equipment, without any of that stuff, I will be faithful to just do the thing you're telling me to do to the very best of my ability until the more comes to do you know, what we need to do. And I'll tell you this, it's been the Lord who has brought the increase without me even thinking about it. And now, you know, then the Lord gave us this studio. We just took over another studio that's just down the, down the hallway that way on the other, on the other side, doubled our space. Uh, Just what? It's been a couple of weeks that we took over. I haven't even posted pictures yet really of the new studio that God gave us. So now we have double the space we had before. God's brought it all in. It's been supernatural, you know, thank God for where we are now that we're not going to stop here. The Lord sees how faithful we are with what we have now. We're not stopping here. We're going to increase even further. God's getting ready to give us a building. We're going to have a full building that's going to be the church's building. And we're going to have, you know, services and broadcast on television around this whole region. And of course, it's already going around the world. So it's going to continue to increase again. And the key being, you have to use what you've been given well. If you're faithful over a little, God will make you ruler over much. There's people that, you know, they're believing God to do uh, certain things, and they've never even done the first thing God's told them to do yet. You know, that's a mind-blowing thing to me. Where the Lord speaks to you, gives you, you... Let me just tell you, you can never go past your previous instruction from God. I want you to put that in the comments. You'll never go beyond your last instruction from God. You will never go beyond your last instruction from God. Please get that. There's people believing believe in God to do a ton of different things from them. You'll never go beyond your last instruction. God's waiting to see when you're going to obey the last thing he told you to do. You can't skip over it and just pick and choose which instructions from the Lord you're going to obey. It's a test. You'll never go beyond. You'll keep getting that test until you pass it. You'll never go beyond the last instruction God gave you. And so until you can obey the thing he told you to do last, he's not gonna give you more. Why would he entrust you with more if you've not even started on the very last thing he told you to do? It's not, it doesn't make any sense. And so remember that. You'll never go beyond your last instruction from God. So if you, if you feel like you're struggling and it's not breaking through, go back and figure it out. What was the last thing the Lord spoke to me to do? Have I accomplished it? Have I completed it? Or am I sitting on it? Am I waiting on it? Because God's watching. You know, that principle's huge. If you're faithful over a little, I'll make you ruler over much. There's people believing that God's going to make them some crusade evangelist, that they're going to stand on platforms in other nations and preach to hundreds of thousands. They won't even talk to their next door neighbor about Jesus. (laughs) So it's like, you think the Lord is going to open massive doors for you to go do things that you won't even do on a small scale. It's not going to happen. If you're faithful over little, he'll make you ruler over much. And when you're getting ready for this, this next season of transformation, God's watching, not just to see if you'll renew your mind about who you are and how you live and how you ask him. If you missed last night, go back and watch that broadcast. You need to hear it. But tonight, remember this. There's something that you have. There's something within your house, in your hand, within your control that will move the hand of God. There's something he's given you. There's something you're anointed to do that he will open doors for you when he sees you doing well with what he's put in your hand. It's like, it's like I go to here to 1 first, first Kings chapter 17. Very interesting story because this is a principle I'm talking about. But you remember when Elijah, the prophet, goes to meet the widow from Zarephath. L- listen to this. Then the, then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. <coughs> so when, w- remember this, when Elijah showed up at the widow's house, she wasn't taken by surprise because the Bible says God told Elijah, I've already commanded a widow there to feed you. She already had a word from the Lord. It's not a surprise when the prophet shows up and says, hey, hey, what are you doing? Making my last meal, me and my son are gonna eat it and then we're gonna die. She knew he was coming. God had already spoken to her, take care of the prophet when he comes, feed him when he comes, right? So it wasn't a surprise. He shows up, said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. He said, and bring me some bread in your hand. She said. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. Watch this now. She said, get this phrase, I have nothing except, you see that? I have nothing except, I want you to put that phrase in the comments because I'm going to talk about it for, for a minute. I have nothing except dot, dot, dot. I have nothing except dot, dot, dot. Understand what that means. So so that's contradictory. I have nothing except the things I'm getting ready to list. That means you have something. <laughs> Doesn't mean you have nothing. I have something. So, so you get this, right? She had something in her, in her control that could produce the miracle she needed. That could produce obedience to the instruction God gave her. So what was she going to do? Was she going to just... Because remember, I said, the Lord said he already spoke to her. I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So what was she going to do? Hurry up and cook all the meal and her and her son eat it before the prophet got there so she didn't have to feed him. And then he shows up. There's something in your control that will bring your breakthrough. There's something God will put his finger on that'll bring your breakthrough. So what was happening with her? I have nothing except, yeah, except what? Uh, except a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. Okay, well, that's something. So get to work with the something you do have. Obey the instruction from God and watch the breakthrough that comes. You do have something. Don't ever look at your life and say, well, I don't have anything. Don't. There's something in your control that will bring your breakthrough when obedience is attached to it. There's a gift that God's placed in you. There's a talent God's placed in you. There's a seed God's put in your hand. There's always something within your control that when you release it to God will bring a breakthrough, always. And this is part, this is an extension of renewing your mind, like I talked about last night. It's just an extension of renewing your mind. So there's always something in your control that will bring about your breakthrough, always, always. Say, well, I don't even have a seed. No, the Bible said he gives seed to the sower. There's even seed in your hand. There's talent, there's gifts, there's abilities. That he's placed in you don't ever say I have nothing I can't do anything no that's not your story there's something in your control that will bring about your breakthrough he told her he said bring me some first and she obeyed that instruction and when she obeyed that instruction then the prophetic word was released to her he said and the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. Glory to God. And the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. There was something in her hand. There was something in her house that brought the breakthrough she needed for the rest of the time. Not just enough for her, not just enough for her son, but also enough for the prophet. She was getting ready to eat and die. But then the prophetic word kicked in. Her obedience kicked in. And that meant that there was enough for her. Enough for her son. And guess what? Overflow for the prophet too. And they ate for many days. Many days. Let me show you another one. Because this, I want you to see what the prophet Elisha (coughs) says to this woman. Because here's a woman who really needs a miracle. She needs a breakthrough. 2 Kings chapter 4, and her sons are getting ready to be taken away as slaves. Her husband's dead. She's in debt. Her, husbands are get, or her, her sons are getting ready to be taken as slaves to pay off the debt. And uh, he asks her, Elisha asks her this question in 2 Kings 4 and verse 2. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? He said, "Tell me, what do you have in your house?" Same, same thing as First Kings seventeen. Different prophet, different woman. Same question: "What do you have? What do you have?" He said, "What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house?" And she said, um, "I have nothing except." Same answer. Isn't that wild? Same answer. I've got nothing except this jar of oil. I've got nothing except you have something. That's the answer. I've got the jar of oil. I've got the barrel of meal and the jar of oil. I've got something. Here's an encouraging word for those of you that are watching me, whether live or on the replay. Don't ever belittle the thing that God's put in your hand and in your house. Don't ever look at it and say, it's not enough. It's nothing, you know. I, I, I I'll rebuke people for that. I'll rebuke people for that because people don't apologetically offer something to God. I'll have people come up to me and they'll sow a seed, brother Ted. We we felt to give this to you. Now listen, brother Ted. I know it's not much, for the, and I'll stop them right there. Don't say that. Don't put something in my hand and then say, well, I I know I know it's not a lot. Is it a lot to you? Because obviously it took a step of faith for you to sow that seed. Obviously it took a step of faith for you to sow that seed. So don't belittle it. Don't belittle it with your your words and say, well, I know it's not a lot, brother. No, if it's a lot to you, then it's a lot to God. If it means something to you, then it means something to God. Don't ever look at that and say, well, it's not a lot. I know this isn't a sufficient... No, no, it means... You know, and and the reason people say that is because they'll say, well, I know people have given you much larger offerings. It's not about me. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. So, so when, when you sow a seed, even if you're sowing it into a man of God, don't belittle the thing that's in your hand by saying, well, I know it's not a lot, but no, it obviously is taking faith for you to release that thing, right? Everybody's not on the same level. So it obviously takes faith for you to release it. So don't belittle the seed by by your confession. Say, "Well, I know this doesn't mean much." No, it it means much. It means much if it means something to you. If it's moving your faith, it's moving God's hand. If it's moving your faith, it's moving God's hand. If it's moving your fa- you know, you could say you could say that about both of these widows. Well, they didn't have a lot. That's just a little jar of oil, that's just a little meal. I know the other woman didn't have much. It was just a little flask of oil. No, it was all they had left. So it doesn't matter that you could compare them to like, you know, kings and say, well, look how much they have. They have whole stock rooms filled with meal and meat and they have, you know, grain and they have, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can't compare to someone else and say, well, I know it's not. No, to you it is. To you it is. So if it is to you, and if it takes faith for you to do that thing and release that thing, then it means something to God. It means something to God. Don't ever apologize for an offering of faith. Amen. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to get it in your spirit. Don't ever apologize for an offering of faith. If God put it in your hand, if it's taking your faith to release, don't compare it to somebody else's offering. Let me tell you how Jesus compares it because I was reading the story about Jesus, how he was in the temple as people were giving their gifts and the Bible says rich men came down and cast their offerings into the treasury. I'm sure it was large compared to what others were giving rich men casting their offerings into the treasury. But then here came a woman who was a widow and the Bible says, and she put in two mites, two copper coins. And Jesus saw her offering and turned to the disciples and said to them, this woman has given more than all these other rich men. And the disciples said, what are you talking about? Lord, did you, have you not seen what they've been giving? And he said, yes, but you don't understand. They gave from their abundance, but she gave all she had. What was he watching? He, was, he didn't compare the total values. He was comparing the uh, relational values, the ratios, right? I always explain it to people like this. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right, Timothy. You remember that I've used this before if you've been in a live service. If there are two people sitting in a church service next to each other, and they both give an offering of $1,000, does God view both of those offerings the same way? Well, it depends. What if the first person who gave 1000 has $1. $1.4 million in the bank, and the other person who gave $1,000 has $1,700 in the bank? I can guarantee you, based on that story that Jesus told, that, or that story from Jesus' life, that God does not view those offerings the same. Because the person who has $1.4 million in the bank doesn't even feel that offering when it leaves their hand. It means nothing to them. $1,000 does not shake the life of a multimillionaire. But when somebody only has $1,700 to their name and they sow 1000 to God, you better believe God views that offering differently. When you give over half of your net worth to the kingdom of God, God views that much differently. That's the same thing happening in this story here in the Bible. Rich men casting what seemed to be large offerings into the treasury, but the Lord knows they have much, much more and it didn't take any faith for them to give it. And then here comes a woman who gives what looks like a small offering, but to her it's massive because it's all she has to her name. And so what does that mean? God is viewing you. He's watching you to see what you will do with what you've been given what you will do with what you've been given. And there's people, God's ready to promote, and there's people that they've not done well with what they've been given. But our story is gonna be, I'm starting now. I'm not just gonna sit back and say, well, I can't wait till God transforms me. No, I'm pressing towards transformation. I'm pressing towards transformation. I'm pressing towards, I want God's eyes to find me, and when he finds me, he looks and says, "There's someone who does well with what I give them." There's some, let me tell you, I don't hear hear how I'm saying this. Hear the way I'm saying this. I said this last night. We went very hard this year. We went very hard. I'm talking. We put rubber to the road and went hard. Forty we, one weeks. 34 cities, 190 revival services. That is running hard, running very, very hard. That means that more than once every other night we were in church for the whole year, more than once every other night. And, you know, I'll tell you something. I don't have to go that hard. You know, I don't have to do that much. And this is the trap people fall into. Like, I don't have to travel for 41 weeks. I don't have to do uh, 34 cities. I don't have to do 190 services in a year. I'm compelled to, but I don't have to. I don't have to do it to survive. I don't have to do it to pay my staff. I don't have to do it to keep the ministry afloat. So it's, it's not like I'm looking at it from a career perspective. It's like, we gotta get more meetings on the boat. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. So understand where people fall short is when they, when they get to the place and my cousin and I have talked about this, my wife and I have talked about this in the ministry realm, like what I'm in pastors, evangelists, teachers, you know, prophets, apostles, whatever. There are people that will get to the place where they figure out what it takes to do just enough so that they can be comfortable. And then that's what they do. They do enough to pay their bills They do enough to go on a couple vacations a year and then they clock in and clock out and they do just enough to be comfortable and to have a living, right? And what ends up happening there is that God looks at them putting it into cruise control and says, oh, they don't, they don't need, they don't feel like they need to produce the way I've called them to produce. They don't feel like they need to uh, bring fruit about the way I've asked them to. They're not, their heart's not in it anymore. They don't care. They're in it for the comfort, uh, enough to bring me comfort, enough to bring me enough uh, income that I can just be comfortable in life, take care of my family, go on some nice vacations, buy nice things. Let me tell you, that is not in any way, <laughs> that is not in any way, my, I would just, I'd hang it up. I would just hang it up and say, if that's the, if that's what life's going to look like, I'll go do something else. This is not a career. It's a calling. And God's eyes are on you. Can I teach you a a principle that'll keep you in a place of urgency with what God's called you to do? I know you hear a lot of preaching like God's watching you to, to see how you'll respond in times of attack. God's watching to see how you'll respond when you get a bad report. Will you walk by faith? Whose report are you going to believe? And that's true. God is watching you to see how you're going to. Uh, respond when you're attacked and when there's a bad report and all those things. But can I give you the other side of that coin too? God is also watching to see how you'll respond when everything's going great. When everything's, you're not in need of a breakthrough. You're not waiting for this, you have this emergency bill that needs to be paid. You just got an emergency bad report from the doctor. You need 19 million people praying on a prayer chain. Everything's smooth. Bills are paid. Money in the bank. Have more than enough. You can be a blessing to others. God's also watching you to see how you're going to respond when everything's going great. He's looking for people that will continue to press in and be urgent. You know, my cousin and I, if you missed our our live stream today that we did this morning at 1030 a.m., you can go watch the replay. But one of the things we were talking about, you know, Every year I've ever, I've been in the ministry has been better than the last year by every metric this year included. You know, I told you there was a year recently, I think it was 2021 when we filed taxes, our accountant thought we made a mistake. They're like, are you telling me that in the year 2020, your ministry more than doubled? It's like, yes, that's what we're telling you that in the year 2020, when everybody else was looking like it was uh, time to shut down, we more than doubled in that year. Then in 2021 we did more. Then in this year we did even more. Gave more, did more. I mean everything was more. And as I look at that, you know, we're we're doing the best we've ever done by far. My cousin was saying that today. Best they'd ever done they've ever done by far. But when you when you get to that place of comfort, it's easy for some people to be like, "You know, we don't really need to fast this this year." We don't really need to press in and we're, you know, we're not believing for any miracles. We can just, let's just, you know, continue to read the word and continue to pray. And, and the stuff you used to do before when you're believing God for breakthrough and building, if you stop that, that stuff, if you stop doing those things now that you're blessed, that's really an act of pride of saying like, you know what? Now, God, we don't need you to break us through like we used to. Everything's smooth. Everything's good we're just going to coast through our Christian lives. That is an act of pride saying, God, we don't really need you like we used to need you. No, we need him now more than we've ever needed him. And the problem is, is when people get comfortable, then they start trusting in in what makes them comfortable. They trust in their riches, they trust in their position, they trust in what they have, whatever. But the Bible says this, and I want you to remember it because remember what I'm teaching tonight. Do Well, with what you've been given, take what you've been given and do as excellent of a job, press in as you've never pressed in with what you've been given. Jeremiah 17 and verse five, the Bible says, cursed is the man who puts his trust in flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. Cursed is the man. Who puts his trust in flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God? So, when you start trusting in the natural realm, when you start trusting in men and trusting in corporations and trusting in the government and trusting in flesh, the Bible says you can't have it both ways. If you trust in men and trust in the natural realm, you are putting your trust in something that is finite and you're turning your back on God, which brings a curse upon your life. Let me just plainly say it. There's no government that can do for me what God can do for me. None. There is no corporation that can do for me what God can do for me. None. 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 There is no culture, there's no man that can do for me. Can I tell you? it's, It's such a blessing. When you go hard for God and give him everything that you are, the Bible says, that those who leave father, mother, sister, brother, lands, properties for my sake will reap a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. I was telling my, co- my, my cousin today, and I'll give you the testimony. It's, it's mind blowing to me. Uh, you saw that my family and I were just in, um, in Colorado. It's a wonderful thing uh, to take, take my family on the, that vacation. We're making it like our, our family uh, tradition every December, to go out to Vale, Colorado, teaching the kids to ski at a young age. But <clears throat> even that vacation, <clears throat> there's no corporation that give me a vacation like that. And let me tell you, we went out this year, God just keeps finding ways to bless you. We already had like a very nice room booked in Vale, And all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, the hotel decides to upgrade us to this room at no charge to me. We go, we go in there, it's one of the most beautiful rooms I've ever stayed in. It was like the size of a house in a hotel. No lie. It was like the size of a house in a hotel. I don't even know how many thousand square, uh, square feet it was. Full-size dining room, full-size dining room table with like eight or nine chairs. Huge living room, massive fireplace, full kitchen with an island and a washer, dryer, multiple bedrooms. I asked the lady at the desk, I said, how much, does pe- how much do people pay f- for rooms like this when they come here? She was like, well, if if you're in a weekend, it's a lot more. She's like, if it's a, a dead weekday when no one's here, she was like, that room's like $1,600 a night. She's like, on the weekends, it can be anywhere from $2,000 to $2,500 a night. I didn't pay a dime to go stay in that room. But let me tell you something. The Lord's watching you and the Lord sees, you know, I've got a nice house here in Florida. I'm never at it, but I have one. It's, it's here in Florida. It's like, it's like a. Uh, one of our friends said to us when we, when we moved to Florida, they said, you didn't actually move to Florida, you just moved your things to Florida, which, which I'm never here. We're traveling, preaching the gospel, but I've got a beautiful home, but I leave it all the time to go do the work of the Lord. That's the exact thing the Bible says. Those that leave their, their families, their father, mother, leave their lands, properties, leave it all behind for the sake of the gospel, they'll re- reap a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. Let me tell you, God watches you when you're going hard and and, and you're doing everything you can for his kingdom. And then God rewards you. And I I look at that and all that God did for us, even on that that vacation we were at, didn't really pay any money. Didn't pay any money for the flights. Didn't pay any money for the rental car. Didn't pay any money hardly for the hotel. And then got upgraded to that room that probably would have cost anywhere between uh, $12,000 and $15,000 to stay in there. If you'd have booked it and did it in your flesh, you know, which that's great. I'm I'm not, I'm not opposed to paying full price either. We're blessed to do that, but look how God will just reward you openly because you're just giving everything to him. And I sit there and look around. My wife teared up in, in the hotel room, just started thanking God for his goodness. My kids all excited. They had bunk beds in their room. They got to, you know, I'm just watching how God does it and just like sit around and look and look around. And like what other people are, are paying $15,000 for a week to do, I'm doing it for nothing because I serve a God that if I'll give him everything, he'll reward me openly. I'll take what he's put in my hand and do it uh, to the best of my ability and give him everything that I have. And then <clears throat> he rewards openly. He rewards openly. I can't even tell you the, the, the amount of times things like that happen. I was with my uncle and aunt one time. We go to New York City and we were staying at... Um, this, this hotel and, uh, they were like, you know, um, we just want you to know we've, we've put you in an, another room and my aunt and uncle, they were like, well, uh, we need to see it first because, you know, we booked a very nice room for our family. So we want to see the room first. They're like, no, sir, you're going to like this room we're giving you. They're they still like, no, no, we need to see it before we agree because they're like, sir, we're putting you in the ambassador suite. The only people that stay in there are dignitaries from other countries and presidents. And we went upstairs. It was like, again, in New York City, the size of a house. I mean, a massive size of a house with like five bedrooms, huge living room, huge dining room, huge kitchen, stainless steel appliances in the middle of New York City. We look out the window and see the whole city and they upgraded no cost to us. Absolutely no cost to us because God's watching. Let me tell you, God's watching. That's why I don't say that dumb stuff to, to, to young people that are trying to get in the ministry. You hear, you hear preachers like, well, you better just have a backup plan because there's no money in ministry. Maybe, maybe in your ministry there's no money. But when God is watching you and you're faithful, the blessing comes. The blessing comes from every direction. That's the, that's the story that I have to tell. I don't have any sad stories. The blessing comes from every direction. It's going to come every direction for you in Jesus' name. It's going to come every di- from every direction for your family in Jesus' name. It's going to come from every direction for your ministry and your business in Jesus' name. And we're pressing in. We're pressing in in 2023. We're going to see total transformation by the power of God. Don't expect to get to December. December and look back over your life. I'm talking about December of 2023. Don't expect to get to the end of the year and look back and everything looks the same. Expect to look backwards and be amazed at how much God has done in 12 months. Expect to look backwards and be blown away. It's like I told my cousin, my story is gonna be that of Psalm 126, that God's gonna bless us to such a degree that sinners will testify on my behalf unbelievers will stop and take a look and and as the Bible says in, in Psalm 126 and it was said among the heathen the Lord has done great things for them that's going to be the story of the victory tribe in Jesus mighty name that's going to be our story we're believing God for total transformation in 2023 it's going to start by us renewing our minds I'm not confessing small things Well, how many know I'm, you know, we're hanging in there. We're getting by. No, I'm not expecting that. I've got a boldness. I've got an urgency. I've got an expectation for greatness. The biggest things we can think up, God will exceed them. He goes exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or think. Ephesians 3.20. So don't expect it to be some normal, natural thing. Expect it to go beyond anything you've ever experienced and press in for it, sow for it. I'm getting ready to sow a seed on uh, New Year's Eve. We always do this at our church on New Year's Eve. I'm getting ready to sow the largest seed that we've ever sown in the history of our life, ever. And we've sown some big seeds. But I'm believing for a big, big thing. I'm believing for a big, big thing. And so we're going to sow big. We're going to sow big. I'm going to sow an offering so big on New Year's Eve, it's going to make the devil pee his pants. A big offering. A big offering. And I will sow a million dollars before it's all said and done. I will give a $1 million one-time offering before it's done, and it won't be long. It won't be long in Jesus' name. But we're going to sow big. On December 31st believing for the biggest things we've ever seen God do I don't pray for big harvests you don't pray for harvests you pray for seed God gives seed to the sower and so you know what my prayer is Lord put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown in the mighty name of Jesus put the largest seeds in our hand that we have ever sown in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we're getting ready to sow one of those types of seeds in just a few days, in a little over a week. We're going to sow it, and God's going to see it. We're going to sow it, and God's going to see it. And I'm telling you, and I, hope Car- I know Carolyn's still watching, it's going to kickstart something for our church that is going to be supernatural only. We're going to sow something massive, and God's going to see it, And it's gonna kickstart the beginnings of what God's gonna do through Miracle Word Church in 2023. Doors are opening up to us in West Palm Beach. A building that God has set aside is coming into our hands and it's gonna be supernatural. And I'm just telling you, do well with what you've been given. Do well, listen, I tell people this. What's the point of having just like a, and trust me when when I say I understand wisdom. I understand what the Bible teaches on wisdom, but what's what's the point of having all this money saved up and just sitting around and sitting on it as Jesus is getting ready to come and you've not sown a significant seed into the kingdom. Sow something significant that that shakes your faith up and say, God, I'm believing for transformation. If If you're believing for transformation in your finances, you better step up with a seed that shakes your faith you're believing God to use you to do great things, do the things that are already at your disposal, do them very well and faithfully and consistently. Watch what God will do. I'm just telling you, I feel such an anointing. I feel such a a, a gift of faith on me for what God's getting ready to do. You you tuned in on the right night, I can tell you that. Because God's gonna do the same with you in Jesus' name. It's gonna be mind-blowing. It's gonna be mind-blowing. And I'm, I'm just telling you ahead of time, do not now, now, now here's just a little bit of a, a a warning to guard your thoughts, to guard your mind. There will always be people who don't believe like we believe. There will always be people that will mock you. There will always be people that'll be naysayers that tell you, don't get your hopes up. And, oh, I'd hate to see, don't listen to that nonsense. Put your blinders on and do what the Lord's told you to do. Do what the Lord's told you to do. Don't listen to the nonsense Don't listen to the doubt and the unbelief. Don't listen to that stuff. Don't listen to that stuff. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Listen to your word, quote the scripture, and stay in faith, and move forward, and watch what God will do for you. Watch what God will do for you. And so I'm just telling you right now, number one, as I said last night, it's about renewing your mind to the word of God. Believe big, think big, expect big. And don't let the, the, the little doubting thoughts of others throw you off course. And then number two, do well with what you've been given. What's your calling? What's your purpose? What's the last instruction you've gotten from God? Don't let it take a long time. Don't let it take a long time. Don't be the person that seven years later, you're still waiting. Seven years later, you're still waiting uh, to do the thing God's told you to do. Don't be that person. When God speaks to you, move quickly, move quickly on it, move quickly on it. Let me pray for you tonight before we do anything else, because I'm telling you, I feel right now, I feel the gift of faith as I've been teaching and preaching to you tonight. I feel the gift of faith. That gift of faith is coming upon you tonight to step out and do the greatest things you've ever done, to do the things God's called you to do and watch for the increase. Watch for the increase to come. Father... I pray for your people tonight. I know every one of them has an anointing and a specific purpose given by your spirit to their life, to their ministry, to their family, their business. And so, Lord, tonight I ask you, put a fresh faith in their heart to step out and to accomplish what you've called them to do. We thank you that this upcoming year is a year of transformation for your people. We expect quick promotion. We expect quick turnarounds. We expect quick production. We expect quick harvests in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you now, put the largest seeds in our hands that we've ever sown in the mighty name that's above every name, Jesus. Your word declares you give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so Lord, in Jesus' name, we expect large seeds. We will sow them and harvests are coming back quickly. Your system of seed time and harvest is intact. Your integrity is intact. And so we expect to have uh, supernatural testimonies to tell throughout the year, throughout the year in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. We give you praise for it and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.